Okay. All right, my friends. Now, I, as much as I hate to break up this awesome chatter, we're going to get back to it, okay? Y'all just eat. Enjoy yourself. I do have something I want to tell you out of Samuel, okay? There's something neat and really just some, a reminder for where things are uh, as we come to the end of the year. You know, uh, this is a good time to really reflect and uh, a good opportunity for you to really just consider how was this year, Lord? Now, you might not want to ask that question sometimes, right? Um, but it is good to do and to really just say, Lord, um, I have some things I, I, I want to talk to you about. And and just let him lead you. I think it's good for husbands and wives to do that. I think it's good for, you know, families to do that. And Serena and I have one of those planned uh, soon where we'll do the same thing. You know, often I always say, do we laugh enough? That's my big deal with us. You know, we could take ourselves so seriously. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so as we just reflect, there's just kind of a simple thing that I just wanted to share with you out of Samuel. And so you don't necessarily have to turn there. You can listen, you can eat, chew. If you, when you get done, don't feel bad. If you want seconds, get it. It's not going to bother me. Okay. Um, I just want to tell you what thus saith the Lord. Okay. So for those of you that haven't been with us, we've been looking at first Samuel chapter two and last week, what we had talked, or last week, last time that we were together, what we talked about was lazy leadership. Now, remember, our Samuel study is tied around uh, leadership. And now, again, I've said it several times already. I may or may not mention anything about leadership, but as we examine these individuals live, you are definitely going to learn certain things like, man, how do they do what they do? How do they move from this point in their life to this? And so we kind of looked at Eli's sons last week, uh, last time, and uh, that lazy leadership uh, example produced some things that we saw, ignorance about God, abuse of God's people, and damage to the testimony of God and others. Now, that was, that was last time, but now we get this chance to switch, and we're going to actually look at Samuel himself, and really what's going on with him in particular. And it's, you could miss it. It could fly under the radar. You could just kind of skip over and say like, oh, there's not a lot there. But I'm telling you, there are some great things about this. So now, if for those of you, now you got your hands a little greasy. If you want to take a picture here, this is just some things that are like the good kind of LFBI points of Samuel, what his name means, uh, the various times you see an account of his life the one that you get to see that's kind of neat, I just gave you a little more detail, is in First Chronicles 6, 16 through 28, you see that he's connected to the sons of Levi, which we know that uh, when we had talked about it earlier, but you see the genealogy uh, of that at that point. <clears throat> then you have some very, two uh, really critical moments. Uh, he's mentioned for his prayer in Psalm 99, 6. But then in Jeremiah 15, 1, it kind of, the Lord alludes to this favor that he has, but where Israel is at in terms of rebellion is so rough that the Lord is, uh, well, it's time to get the belt out, so to speak. 
And uh, but he mentioned Samuel just like, hey, even though Samuel would have spoke on behalf of Israel, still the belt's coming out, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so you can look at that. Check it out. We know who his parents are. We've seen that in the first chapter. Uh, just something else to remember. He is a judge, a priest and a prophet. Now, the thing is, he's the last judge before we get into this monarchy. OK, and so that's kind of a, a critical point about who he is. Now, think about this, okay? Let me just float this in your mind. When his mother is begging the Lord that she could have a son, the Lord did not say to her at all in terms of what the scope of Samuel's life is going to look like. What she does is simply just in a, a place of brokenness says, man, I, I, want a, I want a kid. Give me a son and I will give him back to you. Right. And the thing that we are now kind of starting to get into a little bit, and we're going to see really from this, the text that we're going to look at is ultimately the Lord allowed Hannah to become pregnant with Samuel so that Samuel could help restore um, Israel spiritually. Like this, it's a huge deal. Okay. Now I'm saying that for a reason. I'm saying that because the thing I want you to really consider is just having a simplified ministry to simplify your ministry. Now, I'm going to I'm going to come back to that. But just remember, I just said this. Our text this morning, we're going to look at Samuel uh, chapter two, first Samuel chapter two, 18 through 21. I'll read it right here. It just says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord, give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So what's happening here? What we see is... In light of the poor example of Eli's son, Samuel is ministering, girded with a linen ephod and a little coat, much like a priest. It's a big deal. And so that, again, it could fly under the radar and you could miss it. But this is kind of a big deal. What effect is it having? Samuel is welcomed by Eli and his parents are at peace with the decision to leave him with Eli. Interesting, Right. So what needs to happen now that we kind of know that effect? Well, we need to take note. And the thing is this, we have a chief concern I, I want to bring up to you. If this year did not go and you reflect and perhaps you say, man, this year didn't go quite like I wanted to. There are some things that I, you know, Lord, I wish, Lord, I wish statements <laughs> fill in the blank. We have a tendency to overcomplicate what God wants from us. There's just a real tendency that we're kind of, we feel like we're in the dark. We feel like we don't know, well, what does God want? It's a popular thing that you tend to hear people say, what does God want from me? Right? And I, he clearly told you <laughs> what he wants from you. That's what the Great Commission is. This is why you got saved and why he didn't just rapture you out. But now the nuance of that, just the detail of that, okay, yeah, there is some discovery yet to be had. And what I'm going to tell you this morning is going to help that to be, um, to be revealed. 
Okay, we have a tendency to overcomplicate what God wants from us. This keeps us from growing. It makes us inconsistent. We become discontented. And we stay immature. When we, oh, listen, just simplifying what it is that God expects and what he wants. When you just say, I'm going to trust what the word of God says. I'm going to move forward in that. I'm telling you guys. Your life will change, will, okay? And so here's our simple outline. You know how we like to do? We need to simplify our ministry, y'all. We need to start out being childlike. We need to be consistent. We need to be content. We need to be cultivated. I'll say it again. We need to start out being childlike. We need to be consistent. We need to be content. We need to be cultivated. And so we jump back into our text here, just in verse 18. It says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with the linen ephod. See, the thing and the points that we need to kind of just get our head wrapped around is Samuel ministers before the Lord. Now think about it. How's he going to do that? By submitting himself to Eli the priest. He's staying in his home. And we just saw in those five verses prior about Eli's boys. Uh, wild. Those guys are wild, right? And yet he submitted. It makes sure that we know that he is a child. And then, like I said, it says that he's girded with a linen ephod. Listen, being childlike is a great place to start, but it's not a great place to stay. Being childlike is a great place to start, but not a great place to stay. What do I mean? Listen, when you come, let's say, and we're just going to use MBT. This is our church and we're here. Okay. If you come and wherever you come from and whatever background you have, until you humble yourself and say, I will submit myself to the structure of the leadership that's here and the teaching that is here, you will not grow. You got to do it. You got to submit. You got to be under it. You got to, okay, I hear, I see what's going on. I'm going to learn my word. And that's going to that's gonna be a lot of different ways. It could be from becoming a member. It could be from COD. It could come from discipleship. It could come from LFBI. Really, that whole package is submission. Bible study, faith fellowship, of which, again, let me welcome to all of those of you who are not normal members here. I love seeing your faces. Hope to talk to you when I... Stop talking and get some food here. You're welcome. Be here. Being a child is a great place to start, but not a great place to stay. First Peter 5, 5 tells us something. It says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. In James 4, 10, it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will happen? And he shall lift you up. <clears throat> See, the benefit of Samuel's humility was he didn't have to judge Eli's sons or compare himself with them. What he was becoming, excuse me, 
What he was becoming and his obedience was proof enough against Eli's boys. He didn't have to call them out. He didn't have to point it out. All he needed to do is do what he's supposed to do. And man, I wonder in a similar way is sometimes we get a little focus on what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about what everybody, you just worry about what you're doing. You be here. <laughs> Don't worry about whether or not somebody else, you be here. You come to, you make sure you have Bible study. You make sure you're here for service and fellowship. That you don't just come here and then you leave. You're missing out. You do that. See, listen, that's our first key point this morning. Childlike submission will reveal who you trust. Think about children. They submit to who they trust. Now, y'all know I love y'all's kids, but I am a stranger, right? And a lot of times, if I try to force my way into a hug or just some time with them, they'll be like, I don't know. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, I don't know you. Right. And I am the least dangerous person. I love them. I want to play. I want to talk. I want to see how they're doing. See, listen, Samuel's submission showed that he trusted God. Listen, even if it meant being in a very toxic environment. Samuel's submission showed that he trusted God, even if it meant being in a very toxic environment. Why is it toxic? Because Eli's boys are crazy. And they bring that craziness in the house. It's not like they probably have a light switch. They shut it off. Eli gets firsthand example of what it is they're doing and could be led into that. But still, what he's doing is like, no, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to Eli the priest and ultimately the Lord himself. Can you do that? Do the circumstances, situations have to be right for you to obey or can you just say, I'm going to obey regardless? Because I know who it is that I believe in. In verse 19, it says, Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought him, brought it to him from year to year. Don't miss that. Y'all notice that? It says from year to year. When she came up with her husband to offer a yearly sacrifice. Samuel, he is ministering faithfully from year to year. This is where we get our consistency, y'all. 2 Timothy 4, 3-8 says, For the time will come when they, group, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou, singular, you watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of, of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. 
And so our second key point this morning is this, consistency is an open door to opportunity. Consistency is an open door to opportunity. You wanna, you wanna grow, you wanna be used of God, guess what, you gotta be around. Because what we're not gonna do, I love you. Listen, I love you. Let me just say that first. <laughs> because you know what I'm about to say. You will not get up in this platform and teach the word, fellas, if you're not here. Uh, we have to protect this pulpit. We're not gonna let you lead the church. Unless you are, you can show that, man, you can be faithful to maybe your fellowship, Bible study, church attendance, all of that, LBI, that you got disciple. You see what I'm saying? Look at what is happening with this kid, and his mom brings him some. And you know what? Now, the on the on the flip side, this this little coat, just as a, another note that I kind of when I just was kind of looking at it, perhaps it is similar to a garment. Like God described for Aaron, you'll see that in Leviticus 8, 7, where it talks about having an embroidered coat. Now, he's a kid, so it's got to change because he's growing, <laughs> you know, but he's getting to wear something. Why? Because it's telling of the character of Samuel at a young age. That's why. What the Lord is trying to give us is just a window into what this kid is about. Remember, nobody has said to him, Exactly. Hey, you are going to be the one that is a, a part of restoring Israel. So do you need all the detail you have currently, Christian, to be faithful? You, The Lord has not held out any information. You know how this ends. You have his completed word. You have his great commission. You know he will return. You know that he's coming with his reward in his hand. You know you will spend an eternity with him forever. And yet it's like, well, maybe I'll do that. You know everything. This kid knows nothing. Stop yelling. You guys are eating and trying to enjoy yourself. <laughs> this does not go well with food. Upset my stomach down. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's true, y'all. <laughs> Samuel's not one of Eli's sons. If you look up ministered, the two other accounts of that is one when uh, Eliz uh, Elysia. Thank you. Wow. I don't know why it was like just jumbled in my mind for a second. Um, Eliezer is the son of Aaron. Now, his two brothers, Abihu and Nadab, offer strange fire. The Lord kills them. Okay, there's more context to that. You can check it, check it out <laughs> on your own. But he kills them. And so then Eleazar and, and Ithamar, his, the, his other brother, now are in the priest's office. Aaron's alive. Now, very interesting enough, later on, what you see is Aaron dies. Eleazar serves in a priest's office in place of his father. So it's not a small matter that the Lord is saying minister. His two references prior to when we see it in Samuel are those occasions. The Lord is making a connection for you in terms of what Samuel is getting a chance to do, what he's learning. Remember, he is the last judge. We saw he's a priest and a prophet. He's a kid just functioning. Why? 
because he's being consistent. He can be trusted. He's not following the path of those around him. He's saying, listen, my heart is steadfast on what it is that the Lord is giving me opportunity to do. I don't know how this is going to work out, so I'm just going to move forward. Does that make sense? Next verse, verse 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. Here it is, Samuel's viewpoint. He knows he was lent to the Lord. Now that's, that's on mama. Probably mom and dad had that conversation. It's the same thing that is implied with Moses. Because with Moses, there is a point in the New Testament, what it tells you, he made the decision, I will be with my brothers. I am the fresh prince of Bel-Air, and I'm about to bounce up out of here and be with my brothers. Where did that come from? Because his mom is constantly whispering to him, you are not Egyptian. So this kid, and he's growing, and we don't know how many years is passing between these four verses, because it's telling us that he's growing, right? But the thing is, you got to understand something. Do you see any fight in Samuel? He's clawing at mom and dad. You know how sometimes the first time, moms, you got to help you. I know it's hard. The first kid, you super attach. You give them the daycare that first time. And that kid and you are having a meltdown. <laughs> it's tough. Do you see the Bible tell you any of that? He's with Eli and his boys. If anybody wanted to leave a daycare, that would be the daycare to leave. <laughs> and he's like, no, no. He's not begging to go home. He's content. Man, this kid is content. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There has been a transfer of ownership if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. That means that you have to believe that he is the son of God. That he did come and live a perfect sinless life. That his murder on the cross was a trumped up charge, but he willingly did it knowing that he was going to carry all of sin with him on the cross. Then, under his own power, he gets up three days later and is seated in heavenly places right now. And when that happened and you said, I agree, I believe all of that, he said, okay, let's switch ownership. You got me, I got you. You don't belong to you. And the thing is, is we are constantly in arm wrestling matches with ownership. You gave it up. Now, listen, if you lost this morning and you never done that, it's just the gospel. If you want to transfer that ownership, I'm telling you, you only you ain't going to work out. You owning you will not work. 
Man, this kid knows he's lent to the Lord. Mama did her job. Philippians 4, 10 through 11 says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now don't miss this. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Next key point. Contentment is the fruit of being satisfied with belonging to God and being satisfied with his provision. Contentment is the fruit of being satisfied with belonging to God and being satisfied with his provision. Samuel is making no fuss. He is in full agreement. He is content. He is there. And when they leave, all it is is see you next year, mama. Guys, you got to, perhaps your year did not go the way that you want. It's because you're not content with where God has you. Especially, listen, now let, let's, just, let's just be honest. Especially when we kind of flirt with this uh, uh, double Dutch <laughs> church attendance. And it's like, I'm in, you know, I'm in, I'm in. Stop it. Just be in. Just be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And the Lord is like, are you serious? You don't belong to you. You don't get to say that. And yet he's patient. And he keeps throwing you lifelines. And all you do is like, no, I want to drown. I like drowning. It's like, what are you doing? I don't get it, guys. Has When you are not content, has that ever worked out? And you just feed that lack of contentment? Do you ever get satisfied with whatever thing you're in pursuit of? No. Never. No. How about you just say, you know what, Lord, thank you. I trust you. Help me to see, have the right perspective through this. Last verse. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now, obviously, we, can, we don't want to miss the fact that the Lord just floated that underneath. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, Hannah, I still got you too, girl. It's great. It just shows that God answers prayer. Man, he, she wanted a family. The Lord's like, I got you. Samuel's mine. But I'm a, I'm a double, quadruple. Three sons, two daughters. You had none. You got one. You gave that one to me. I'm going to give you five. You really got six because you're still Samuel's mom. You know what I'm saying? It's incredible. But now, Samuel, let's focus on him. Real simple. Samuel grew before the Lord. Listen, no longer was he a child in age or state of mind. He's growing up. He embraced the situation and allowed it to grow him up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you. You guys know it. This is that cultivated section because you got to understand there's a reason behind it. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some uh, evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why are you doing that? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to, do not miss this, to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body, maketh increase. How do you think we make increase? The gospel. It's the gospel. The Lord wants to grow the body unto the edifying itself in love. Listen, last key point. Growth is a process intended to create reproduction. The point is not for you to just get better and for you to grow up to nothing. It's so that you can reproduce. Think about it. Why does anything grow up? It's so that it will have fruit and we can have more of it. This is how we have it produced after its own kind. The Lord's intention absolutely with us as human beings is that we would reproduce. He likes more people. We get so worried, man. It's this weird thing on the earth. We get worried about too many people on the earth. And man, you let the Lord sort that out. It's good. Reproduce. Have kids. That's what we want. And we can kind of get the heart for our children, sort of. And that's skewed. Right? We make targets out of them. And now we're kind of like, oh, we can play with this whole idea of abortion and all that nonsense, but then we do it worse spiritually. We become, this focus becomes our focus, and then the Lord is like, hey, lift your head up. I want to show you all of this. There's something for you to do. I didn't just give you this skill set for nothing. And so, Christian, listen, if the year did not go the way that you intended, and perhaps you have left, have come to the end of the year, and you're like, man, what happened? Did you grow? Can the Lord use you? Will you reproduce? Up to this point, everybody's in the dark that God has a plan to grow Samuel up so that he can restore Israel spiritually. In the dark. Listen, you don't get to pick how this comes out. The thing you should just do is just say, Lord, I trust you, and I'm a willing participant, and I'm not going to stop whatever it is that you're wanting to do. You have no idea what that's going to turn into. There are people that you have influence over in your family and at work and in your neighborhood that need for you to be consistent, need for you to be have a childlike submission need for you to be to be growing to be content to show that why so that the gospel will easily readily be on your lips that's why it's not just so you can brag about your faith 
Are you kidding me? That's gross. Nobody cares. And so in conclusion with your meal, <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> Don't complicate the path that God has put you on. Keep it simple, okay? Humble yourself. Submit, be consistent, be content, and watch the Lord make you food. I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we would just consider uh, your word this morning, that we would reflect and just look back. And Lord, you are the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, if, infinite chances until we are dead. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would just simplify your command, that we wouldn't try to reconcile it with our emotions, our feelings, or our circumstances, but that we would just say with a laser focus, I see what you're saying, and I'm going to do it. Lord, keep us, move us forward. And for those, maybe of us, that don't even know you, Father, that you would continually reveal your face. Man, today could be the day of salvation. And so, Father, and just pray, be with us. Let us consider. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.